Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. (laughs) Praise God. Discipleship. You guys, we're still on discipleship. I think this is the longest I've ever preached on a subject since I've been preaching. Amen. And in the past few months, we've learned that discipleship is about denying self. Aprendamos que el discipulado se trata de negarse a sí mismo. Well, I want to make it sound a little bit better, okay? Quiere hacer que suene mejor. Instead of denying self, in lugar de negarse a sí mismo, let's use investing in others. Invatir en otros. Investing in others. Now, you guys may not know it, puede que no lo sepas, but the only reason that you are still here, pero la única razón por la que todavía está aquí, is because somebody denied themselves and invested in you. Porque alguien se negó a sí mismo y invertido en ti. Somebody denied themselves to invest in you. That's the only reason why you're here. Don't think that you're here on your own accord. Somebody down the line, you may not know them until on this side of heaven, but one day you will know that there was a person that invested in your salvation. They invested their time, ora, they invested their talent, su talento, and their treasure, y su tesoro. Discipleship is about investing in other people's lives, and when you get a return of your investment, you are blessed. You're blessed. Listen, you guys, investing is huge. When we invest in people, now I can use this for everybody. How many people here invest in their children? Yeah, we all invest in our children. You guys, now here, here's, you know, I think it's the ball, the balls. You guys know who the balls are? What's the, what's the dad? LeVon? LeVar Ball. That's the dad. See, a lot of people don't understand. His dad invested time his talent, his treasure into his children, to his boys, to become ball players. He invested so much. Now they're playing basketball levels way beyond uh, any other players. And what do you, how do you think he feels after he's done this investment? He can sit back and go, those are my boys. Let me help you out. My son, JR, I've invested time, talent in my son, JR. And because I invested my time and, and treasure my talent in my son, I gave an investment into him. And now, look where he's at. He's a youth pastor. That's just, that's just part of what he does. I mean, he does a thousand things. But I could sit back and look and go, I invested in that. And see, we see it natural for our children but why don't we see it natural for the people of God? When we begin to invest in other people, you invest your time, your treasure, and your talent. You deny yourself to invest in, in something else, like somebody that's coming to church to spend time with them, and then, you know, they're, they're newly saved. You spend time with the Word with them, just doing life together, and then one day you see them up serving, and they're doing things of God, or one day you may see them up here preaching, and you could sit back and go, That's a great investment. See, it's about investing. We can't look at the whole point. You know, we say deny ourselves, but instead it's investing in others. So we are starting a series called The Blessed Life. La Vida Bendita. That sounds good, doesn't it? La Vida Bendita. The Blessed Life. So this series, esta... Seria, será, will change your marriage, cambia tu matrimonio, change your family, cambia tu familia, change your health, cambia tu salud, it'll change your relationships, cambia tu relación, 
change your job, cambia tu trabajo, it will change your life. Cambiara tu vida. How many people want their life changed? All right. Well, if you want your life changed, you're going to listen to this instruction. The difference between wanting something and doing something about what you want. Anybody say, man, I want to be in good shape. Just giving you perspective. People say, I want to be healthy. What are you doing about it? There's a difference between what you want and what you're doing. Faith without works. So I need you to understand this is called the blessed life, not a blessed bank account. No la bendita cuenta bancaria. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Praise God. Verse 2. Judge not that you be not judged. For with that judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now let me just stop real quick. Let me ask you a question. Is the word money in any of those two verses? Is dinero in esa escritura? No. You don't see it. Now turn over to Luke, chapter 6, 37 and 38. Lucas says, 37 y 38. It says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Now look at verse 38 real quick. Just jump to 38. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is a parallel message that we see in Matthew. They're they're saying, you see all through the Gospels, parallel messages, saying the same thing in different ways. You see this, but I want you to look at something in this verse in Luke. I need to read the middle of it so you can connect the two parts, because we love to take stuff out of context. Saints, do we not love taking things out of context? We do. We will take one scripture and not even the whole scripture and use it for whatever we need to use it for. Right? So let's read the whole thing. It says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to this text. Mira a la escritura, la palabra de nero no está aquí. The word money does not appear in this text. Pero cuando escuchamos esto, pensamos en el dinero. Most of the time we hear this scripture in Luke 6.38, we think of money. Amen. We hear when people talk about it, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men come give unto your bosom. And we get excited about men coming to give to our bosom. Y'all don't understand. If we were honest, every time we hear that scripture, it's during offering time. Now, let me ask you something. How often, or if I was to ask you, how often do I preach about giving? All the time. That's good. Because most people think that when I talk about giving, I'm just talking about giving money. I don't preach much on giving money. We're a generous church. But then sometimes we need to be reminded about generosity. I preach about giving every week. I preach. I can't preach about grace without preaching about giving. No puedo predicar acerca de la gracia sin predicar sobre dar. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he 
We're talking about giving. I can't preach about marriage without talking about giving. Because it takes two people to give. Two people, married people, giving to each other. So I have to preach about giving. We're not just talking about finances. We're talking about giving. This applies to every area in our lives. We have to understand that giving is about the heart. Giving is about your heart. And by the way, that's the title of today's message. Todo se trata del corazón. It's all about the heart. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, you guys ready? About to drop a bomb on you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm. Some of you might be sitting in here thinking right now, first of all, money's money's pretty close. Is anybody pretty close to their money? No? Give it to me. I didn't see one person running up to give me a bank account. So I'll ask again, who's close to their money? Amen. I am. It's not a trick question. I'm not going to just say, you're a sinner, and God says you're going to hell. No, it's just a matter of fact, right? We're all close to our money. So as, as we sit here and read this, some of y'all might be sitting here thinking, okay, the pastor's, pastor's just after our money, or the church just needs some money for something. I, I'm going to help you out. It's not that the church is after your money. God is after your money. Well, why does God need my money? I didn't say he needs your money. I said he's after your money. Exactly. Because your heart's connected to your wallet. What's in your wallet? <laughs> you guys have to understand that you, people don't believe like, oh, God, is, you know, God don't want, need my money. He needs me. Yeah, he does. He needs you, but he knows. That's why he said in the scripture, he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. See, let me, let me help you out. For some of you that, that, that play in stocks, some of you that have been putting money in 401ks, if you invested in anything, you didn't care about it until you put money into it. You never checked on the stocks. You never checked on whatever you invested it in. But once you start putting your hard-earned money into it, you're going to start checking on it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys drive around a beater. The old car is all beat up. And if it gets another dent in it, you don't even care. But let it be that new 2020 brand new car that you had that you paid a lot of money for and somebody, a bird poops on your car. If a bird poops on your car, you upset because you invested in that car. So much of your hard-earned money, you know how much it's going to cost you, so your heart's in it. I'm here to tell you, look, God wants your heart, but he knows he can only get your heart if your treasure is in the church. People invest in the church. Pastor Jenny has this great message. I told her I was going to send her around the world and preach it. It's about ownership. You're going from renting to owning. Now, I used to be a renter. I mean, my wife and I was renting a house, and I took care of the house. And one thing I hated about to do with the, uh, a rented house is I don't like to invest into something that's not mine. So I hate renting cars. But to rent a house, I'm just being honest, if something breaks, there's a whole, I, I, not, I don't want to pay to fix it. I'm going to rent a house and I want the walls a different color. I'm not going to pay to have the walls painted because it's not mine. But when I become a homeowner, I care about everything. Praise God. I'm going to paint it. I'm going to invest in my home. And when something happens to my home, I'm, I'm, I'm upset because I own it. I take ownership. I care about everything that's going on in my house. Every noise that happens. What, the toilet? The toilet? What's wrong with the toilet? Even down to the point where, what's the toilet roll? The holder? If that breaks, I'm fixing it. It's my house. When you rent, when you rent a house, you don't care. You call the manager. You own it. You come fix it. Sounds like a lot of us in church. See, we got people here that take ownership of this church. They have as much own, they've taken as much ownership in this church as my wife and I. I'm telling you right now, they have put their time, their treasure, and their talent into this church because they've taken ownership of the vision of God at this church. Now, I'm saying, yeah, their heart is completely here. And I'm saying that, and, and they don't have a title. 
There's people here, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's people here that I know for a fact. They work all night long and get off in the morning and come to church. Don't make any excuses. Don't talk about being tired. I've seen them sit. I've seen them sitting there and nodding off, and you know what? That doesn't bother me if they're nodding off because I know where they just came from. They're just letting you know, no, stay awake. That was, a, that was a little side hint. But I know I knew where they was at all night, working, all night. But most of the time they come, they ain't sitting. They work all night and come and serve and stand all service. That deserves some glory and some praise. And the cold part about it is they don't make much money, but I see what they give. Not only do they tithe, but I see them give sacrificial offerings. And, I, and, and I, don't, I don't get into the finance. That's Jackie's area. But there's times that God will just have me look at something, and I'm like, man, God, they can't afford this. The Lord says, don't you say nothing to them because they're doing it as unto me. They are giving me. Not, they're not giving it you. They're not giving it to the church. They're making a sacrifice to what I am doing in the Building Christian Fellowship. They are investing in other people's lives. Praise God, and I thank God for people like that. Amen. If God can get your wallet, he can get your heart. Like that. He did. So, let me see. I need somebody to hold this for me. Can I trust somebody? Look at y'all, y'all. I can't trust you. Nah. nah. I need you to hold that for me. Hold this for me. Okay? Stop looking at it like that. Just hold it for me. Where's, where's... Security? Watch Burgundy. If she gets up and goes towards the bathroom, just stand in front of the door. Hold that. Where your treasure is, where your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. If you want your heart in the kingdom, who wants their heart in the kingdom of God? Who wants their heart? Who wants to just have their heart fully in the kingdom of God? Then invest in it. It's kind of a hard saying. What I'm telling you is not coming from me. It's in the word of God. Jesus said it. Where your heart, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If you want your heart in the kingdom of God, then you invest in it. And you invest fully into it. Don't invest what you, oh, I, I, this is what I could lose. Because then you don't care. Because that's how some people play the stocks. I only invest that what I can lose. But if you give God your all, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, when you invest in it, you're going to care about it. Your heart's going to be there. And that's what God wants. He wants your heart in his kingdom. Looking at our scripture, though, this is what I do have to say. Our scripture has nothing to do with money. Our scripture has to do with judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. And this is one thing that a lot of us don't want to hear. If you give, if you judge a lot, then you're going to be judged a lot. Anybody in here tired of getting judged? You ever get judged? Let's do a self-check. Do a self-check. How many people are you judging? Look, God is not mocked. For whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. See, if you're, if you're receiving a lot of judgment, if you people are always judging me, maybe because you're always judging people. The Bible says, whatever you give, you'll get back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Shall men come given to your bosom? What about condemnation? What kind of condemnation are you giving? All oh, them people ain't never going to be nothing. He'll never be successful. He'll never do this. He'll never, he don't deserve a chance. That's condemnation. You doing that to people, guess what? You're going to get the same thing. So you want to hear that. But on the other hand, if you're one of those people that will, before we go on the other hand, let's stay on the right hand. If you are one of those people that are so hard to forgive people and you wonder why you can't stay in relationships, then maybe because you, you just don't give forgiveness. 
So nobody's giving you forgiveness. But God says in the word, you guys believe the word of God. He says, if you give forgiveness, you're going to get a lot of forgiveness. Here's the good news. When you sow an orange seed, you don't get one orange seed back. When you sow an orange seed, you get a tree back full of oranges that are full of seeds. Correct? That's the principle of God. If you give, you will get. Press down, shaking together and running over. So if I give forgiveness, if I one seed of forgiveness, God is going to make sure that I get back a tree of forgiveness. You guys understand what I'm saying? Some of us in here need a lot of forgiveness. Some of us in here have offended a lot of people. And it's funny that God is saying, all I need you to do is forgive one person from something that they did to you that you didn't deserve. Forgive that one person, and I can cause all the people you offended to forgive you and restore all those relationships. Because he said, I'll make sure if you give forgiveness, you will get forgiveness. Press down, shaking together, and running over. That's what it's all about. This scripture is about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. But now you got to understand the principle of God can be applied to anything. So what he's saying is whatever you are giving, you will get back many fold more. You give one, you'll probably get back 20. In some cases, 100. So if, if I'm going to give something, shouldn't I give something good? How many people need more grace in their life? Then give more grace. I, I wish I could stay on this, this subject of grace because that's one thing that the church is lacking with each other. Nobody want to give anybody any grace. You messed up. Okay, I've messed up too before. You got to pass. There wouldn't be so many church hurts and people falling out because we, it, we give, we, if we gave more grace. I, I'm just one thing I'm learning. One thing I'm learning, and it's helped me because in marriage, I, I see Christ in my, my, my wife and I's marriage. I see Christ in our marriage. I see how he's married to me as a church and how I treat my wife is that, you know what? Sometimes my wife wakes up and has a bad day. Yeah. I never have bad days. It's always her. She wakes up and have a bad day. Maybe she snaps at me. Maybe, maybe she does. So what do I do? Take offense and snap back? Do two wrongs make a right? Somebody's got to be godly. See, she admitted it. She just said it. It's always me. I'm the godly one. Instead of responding to evil with evil, respond to it with good. Now, I'm not saying my wife's evil and it was all fun and games and everything, but there's days that I wake up two inches off too. And my wife gives me grace saying, maybe you just started off the day wrong. So she'll give me grace. Maybe we're just in a funk. If, we, if the other person could just look at somebody and just remember the grace that God gave us. Come on, you guys. If just for a second, right when somebody bites your head off, you take a step back and God, I remember when I was a wretch. I remember when I didn't deserve the grace, but you gave me the grace. So the same grace that you extended to me, I'm going to extend to my wife, my friend, my brother, my sister in the Lord. I will give them the same grace. And guess what? It's amazing grace because it's amazing grace because I didn't deserve it. Maybe they don't deserve it, but I didn't deserve it. So I'm going to give it to them anyway. Man, that's a message right there. People think, oh, you ain't getting grace because you don't deserve grace. Grace is unmerited. You can't do anything to get it. Grace is a gift of God. And if you get it freely, you should give it freely. You can't earn his grace. Praise the Lord. My God. Lost my, my space. It's better to give good things. God instructs us to be generous. Deuteronomy chapter 15, 7 and 8. I need you to pay very close attention to this. As you guys know um, that I've been at this ministry for a while, I'm, I truly believe that the Bible is a Bible. You, you can't take one verse and run with it. The Bible is a... Anybody ever play Connect the Dots as a kid? Some of y'all still get the books and play Connect the Dots. 
After you, after you connect about four dots, you still don't have a picture. But how are you going to take a dot, one dot, just open up the book and there's one dot, and say, this is what the picture is. That's what we do with Scripture. We take one Scripture and go, this is the picture of what God says. You can't do that. you gotta, you got to take, what, what, what did he tell Ezekiel? Eat the whole scroll. you got to eat the whole thing. Get all the Scripture, then put it together, because the whole scroll, each Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is a dot, and it's a dot in the picture of Jesus Christ. You cannot leave out one dot. So you got to connect the dots. So I'm going to connect the dots with this because there's a problem with the church. Deuteronomy, God commands us to be generous. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7 through 8, and it says, If there's any among you a poor man of your brethren, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren, understand, this is saying if there's any among you, they're talking about the church. This was written to the church. They're talking about people in the church. Who is your brother? Who is your brother? Somebody that does the will of God. So it's saying, if there's somebody that is poor among you, was one of your brethren, with any, within any of your gates of the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from the poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Whatever. Now, I do have to say this because people realize that this kind of stuff is in the Bible. And because they realize it's in the Bible, people outside the church will take advantage of the church or even people in the church. Because uh, if you guys right now, I will tell you, just go ask Sister Raquel, wherever she's at, how many phone calls we get from people a week. Do you have a PG&E ministry? Yeah, I got I, I need. Uh, I, do you have a gas, a gas ministry? I need gas. Because people know that people in the church are generous, and they know the Bible says to give to the poor. But what happens is we don't see who we should be giving to. Because it says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren, it's within the gates. That's people in the church. We do have poor people in the church. But we're so busy feeding people without that people within are going without. And you wonder why people don't want to be a part of the church. They talking about giving, 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 and feeding the poor. I'm sitting here hungry. Now, also, let me back up because I know some people, they go, man, you know, Pastor, I am generous. I see poor people, and I give, I give to, to homeless people that are hungry, and I give to people that I see out there. There's a great ministry of feeding the poor and doing all this. We have to be careful with that. There's nothing wrong with it, but I need you to understand something. There is a thing called toxic charity. And toxic charity, all it does is enable people where they're at. It does not give them an incentive to come out of their situation. See, if I want to show the love of God to somebody, somebody says, man, I'm really hungry. You know, look, like, look I'm, I, I mean, maybe I'm making this up. This sounds biblical. I don't know. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, I give unto you. Rise up and walk and get a job. Ha, hallelujah. Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Oh, I almost got on so bad. I will. I'm going to get on this real quick. I don't mind giving to people. I don't mind. But it's, it's crazy when they come by the church. Hey, hey, man, you think I can get a couple dollars for some food? I said, I'll do better than that. I'll give you $20. I need you to sweep up this floor. And I'm supposed to feel bad about it. I've had somebody come and go, dude, I'll do more than that. What else you want me to do? And I was like, oh, okay, you're willing to work. So we worked, and I said, I'll tell you what, you could, every Sunday you come here, you'll you be guaranteed a job. You come here early Sunday, be here at 8 o'clock, I'll let you dust. I'll find something for him to do. Stand here and hold this lead for 10 minutes. <laughs> because it's somebody that wants to work. And see, with that type of, the type of love, now I'm showing them love. And I'm like, hey, man, look, you really need a job. There's some people here that, 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 that can help you with work. But you got to be here. You got to be on time. You got to do. I, I, I mean, I got connections. I can get you a job so you can get on your feet. But there's something else I want you to know, brother. The only way that we could do this is because there's this man named Jesus Christ. He was all God, but all, all man at the same time. He came down from heaven for you to have this opportunity to speak. See, I'm going to preach the gospel to him. 
Get them saved. Get them in. That's what it's all about. But see, here's the problem. We individually decide, yes, we are the church, but we want to give to people out of our own pocket, and we get sucked into this thing, and we're giving charity. But God, here goes connecting the dots. You, you have to read what the Bible says. Watch this. In Malachi chapter 3, it says, bring the whole tithe, not part of the tithe. Bring your 10% into the storehouse that there may be food, meat in my house for my brethren, for the people within the gates, so nobody goes hungry, so my people are taken care of. See, we think and take it upon our own selves to go do it, but you know what? In the church, we have programs and we have things that we have together, systems together, so that people don't take advantage of the church because we have to be good stewards of our money. We have to be good stewards of your money. We do have members. We have members, and it happens. It has happened to me. There's times financial trouble hits, and you, have, you should know as a member of this church who is a tithing, serving, attending member that you can come to the church. The church has your back. And you go, man, you know what? I have this problem. Uh, I'm not able to pay my light bill this, this last couple of months. Can I get some help? Well, you know what? Man, I see that you're serving, you're faithful in everything, every area, every aspect. Yeah, but this is what it's do. We about to get in your business. We're going to send you over to Paula and Stan's house, and you better bring all your bills and your bank account statements because we're going to get into it. And he's going to look and go, oh, you can't pay your PG&E bill because you have cable. You got Showtime. You, gotta, you don't need that. So we're going to just scratch that out. Go ahead and cancel it while we're talking. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, don't need, you don't need four and five phones. Okay, I see that you have a, a Microsoft account for playing games. You can cancel that right now, too. That'll save you $25 a month. And he'll go down and go through it. Oh, why are you eating out every day? I don't understand why you're eating out every day. Okay, so what we need to do, you're not getting coffee every day. I see, okay, you got a coffee machine at home? You got a coffee machine at home? Okay, well, 7-Eleven sells coffee. You don't have to go to Starbucks. And they'll break it down. They'll get you right, though. Some people get offended at that. That's called love. But it's, see, I'm getting off, I'm getting off. So we have to do this in order to be generous to you guys because your generosity can't be taken and and it's counted as us throwing pearl before swine. So what God wants us to do, he wants us to deal with a selfish heart. God says, deal with your selfish heart. Um, Deuteronomy, once again, am I saying that right? Deuteronomy? Do. I'm Latino. Okay, deal with the selfish heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 9, and it says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes a sin among you. So what's this saying? In Jewish tradition, every seven years was the year of Jubilee, the year of release. And everything you owe will be forgiven. Right? Let me ask you guys some credit people. You guys know anything about credit? How many years does a bad mark stay on your credit? They stole it from the Bible. Seven years. Seven years of year of Jubilee. So what would happen is people that knew about the year of Jubilee, they would run out on the sixth year and go borrow from everybody. Because they knew in one year, I ain't got to owe them anything. It's the year of Jubilee. They wouldn't have to pay them. Right? Kind of sounds like what people do with bankruptcy. We run out and charge up all our credit cards and make all these, get all this, and then we file bankruptcy so we don't have to pay for it. Shame on you. You're taking advantage of a great situation. So but what God's saying is, he said, listen, don't worry about what they're doing. He says, you still lend to them because a brother may really need it, even though you're going to give to them and, and they say they're going to pay you back, but yet you got to release them for what they owe you. Give it to them because if they need it and you don't give it to them because of the year, then they're going to pray and cry out to God and it's going to become a sin to you. If there is a brother in need and you are holding back from him, if there is a need and you are holding back because you, because of selfish reasons, what it really boils down to, it's going to become a sin to you. You guys ever sit down and wonder if God created giving or is it just an attribute of him? 
It's just, you say, God, did you go, okay, I'm going to create this thing called giving, or was it just who he was? Yeah, I think it's part of his DNA. I think it's just the makeup of God, because as we read, God so loved the world that he love gives, and he is love, and because he is love, the DNA in love is giving, so I think it's a part of him, and nothing more works out selfishness and pride out of our lives than being generous. If you are a greedy person and you are selfish, the only way to beat selfishness and greed is to give. Because when you do that, you will work into yourselves the DNA of God. You are knitting his DNA into you when you give. Most preaching that we do know is about giving to get. Anybody ever heard that? I'm going to start because, you know, my old Pentecostal roots makes me want to preach. Preach it. I need somebody on the organ to get Donald up here. This is up there. And we begin to talk about giving. And, and, you know, it's like if you need $1,000, then you need to give $100. Mm -hmm. If you need $10,000. You got to give a thousand. What's in your hand ain't good enough. God says release because what he has for you is greater than what you got in your hand. Oh, come on, somebody. We get excited when we hear the word of God. We get excited when somebody begins to preach like this and we get into the mode and we want to give because if we give, God's got more to give to us. But saints of God, I'm here to tell you today, that is not what God is about. God does not want you to give begrudgingly or give out of necessity. See, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did not have a need. God didn't need anything. But what God saw that man had a need, and he sold into man. And when he sold his only begotten son into man, I wish y'all would hear me today. He saw that we had this need. And because he saw that man had a need to be back in relationship with him, he sold his only begotten son. Watch this. He sold everything he had. He lavished his love upon his people so that they could come back. And when God sowed one seed into the earth, into the people with one seed, he reaped back a harvest of souls that are still coming in. It's been 2,000 years that he sold his son into the church, and now the church is coming and filling the gates of heaven. So when you come to church, it's not about what getting something. We all have needs. And the Bible declares this as God knows what you're in need of before you can ask or even think it. He supplied all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So you ain't got to worry about that. Yes, he knows what you need. But the point is getting our mind off of what we need and seeing what others need. This city needs Jesus Christ. There is a generation that is depending upon our generosity. And we're holding back in the sixth year. It's the sixth year and we're all holding back. And now it's becoming a sin to the church. We can no longer, I'm not going to preach. Look, man, if there's something that you want from God, just make a sacrifice and then God's going to bless you. You come in and you see a need. You, you see, man, I see what the church is doing. I want to take ownership. I want to invest in the church. Not only am I investing in the church, but I'm investing in the kingdom of God. Because when I invest into the kingdom of God, I know that every time I give, a life is being touched and a destiny is being changed. That they're going to use this money to go out. They're going to use my generosity to go out into this, this city and win these souls over for Jesus Christ. But it only happens through our generosity. To reach the next generation. Without generosity, there's no next generation. 
You guys, being a disciple isn't about how much you can get. Being a disciple is about how much you can lose. If you lose your life for my sake, the same shall be saved. You know how many times we sit down and go, God, I want to follow you, God. God, I want to follow you. I'll go anywhere you tell me to go, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. And God said, the first thing he said before you even said it was, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself. We all want to follow God selfishly. I'm going to follow God on my terms. Because I want to do something comfortable, God. Is there like a couch ministry? We also have to deal with the grieving heart. <laughs> Deuteronomy 15.10 says, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not grieve when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all that you do, which you put your hand to. Can I just share something with you? Like when people preach, and like you hear me preaching about generosity, and you guys, well, I'm just going to do what God says, and you give, and you grieve over it. It's not about you giving. It's about your attitude towards giving. That's what God says. It's about grieving. See, selfishness, watch this. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grieving attacks us after we give. Right? Selfishness is like, man, I don't want to give up on, I don't want to give up on this cash, yo. Got things I gotta do. I'm trying to go vacation. I got, you know, I'm trying to put 24s on this car. I got some beat I want to put. No? There's a gazebo I want to put in my backyard. You guys hear what I'm saying, though? There's things that we want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. I have to do this. I and I and I, I, I. Now we got our I problem because we can't see what God's trying to say. God said, deny yourself. It's not about you. It's about my kingdom. But see, when we give, once we get past that, we go, okay, okay, hey, God, I'm going to be obedient. Then once we give, this is where the grieving comes in. You ever give, you ever give like sacrificially? God tells you to give. You're like, man, God, wow, okay, I'm going to be obedient. You get Me and my wife been there. Me and my wife, God had told us to give. I mean, like, we got blessed. I'm like, hey, yes, praise the Lord. The Lord told us specifically, give it. It was one of those times when it hit me, and I turned to look at Kaya, and he spoke to her exact same time. And we both looked at each other, and the tears started welling up in our eyes. And we wrote the check, and we walked down the aisle together crying like, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. We didn't grieve about it, but the cold part about it is you get home, you get that big sacrifice, and this is when it grieves. You get home, and all of a sudden, your car starts making. <laughs> Find out your water pump's going out. Now you ain't got money to fix the water pump, and what do you say? Man, I shouldn't have gave that money to the church. You have a grieving heart. Instead of believing that because you did what God told you to do, he's going to make sure that you get through this test of faith. Huh? I'm telling you, you know, some of you guys will get real holy on me and be like, okay, you know what, God, I gave you that money. I know you're going to do it. And you just want to lay hands on your car and talk about, be healed, water heater. In Jesus' name, I call you to be in line with the word of God right now. By your stripes. Healed. No, you go ahead and take it to the, take it to the mechanic. Watch this. Take it to the mechanic, and you never know what God will do. You might have a God encounter. You sitting there talking to a dude, he's telling you how much it is, and then all of a sudden, I, he, has this ever happened to anybody? Somebody wants to start telling you their personal life out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm going through a divorce right now, and then you're like, can I pray for you? They look at you, start crying, yes. This is your mechanic, and you pray for him honestly. You don't say nothing. They look at you, and you go, you know what? I really appreciate that. I, could, I, I won't even charge you labor. I'll just charge you for the part. See, God does stuff like that. When we obey him, we can't grieve. We cannot grieve. Anyway, can I get my money back, please? 
I'm a, yeah, I'm on camera. Thank you. Thank you. Did that grieve you to give it to me? Why not? Oh, I'm sorry. Why? Because it wasn't yours. So you didn't grieve you to give me what wasn't yours. Huh. And that's what God's trying to tell us. It tells us in Psalms that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This money that we have isn't ours to begin with. If we get the heart and the attitude of what I got isn't mine, it's God, we won't get grieved when God asks for it. God, it's yours anyway, right? And you know what God ends up doing? He makes sure that you have money to give another time. That's how he does it. That's how it happens. See, what you guys don't understand is we take ownership of stuff that's not ours. It's not ownership. It's stewardship. It is God that allowed us. God is not a resource. He is the source. He is the one that gives us what we need. He supplies us with everything that we need. And he says, look, I just need you to hold it. And when we become good stewards, we give our 10%, which he requires. He isn't asking for all of it back. He just wants 10%. And when you give 10%, then you should say this. This is what disciples do. God, here's the 10% that you require, and and I'm just going to put a little bit off top just to help something else out. But God, the rest of it's yours. What shall I do with it? When we get to that point with our money, when we get, listen, and if we get to that point with our time, we could start being true disciples. We could start having a generous heart. Amen. The last thing we need to do as I close, we need to d- develop a generous heart. God wants us generous, but we've been born selfish. Can I get an amen? amen. Everybody's mine, mine, mine. Mine. What was, that, what was that cartoon with them seagulls? Finding Nemo. You guys remember Finding Nemo? Them seagulls every time they, mine, 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 mine. That's what we do. Do you realize you have to teach your children how to share? It is not anything natural for a child to share. It's called self-preservation. You got to share. It's just like you, you don't have to, there's one thing you don't have to teach your kids. You don't have to teach them how to lie. Comes natural, doesn't it? Did you take that cookie? Mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, no tata. No. Do, do. But we have to teach children how to share. God says, listen, I want my people to develop a generous heart. And the reason why I need them to have a generous heart is because there's another generation that's raising up. And see, your generosity will go to the next generation of believers. Because right now, what you see right now is not it. The next generation of believers is out there. They're sitting at home right now in their sin lost, waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Not that stuff that they've been hearing, that crazy madness that that people talk about it, but they don't live it. We're talking about the real gospel. God is calling us to be generous. The whole self-preservation thing is terrible. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 says this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Deny yourselves. When you deny yourself, you are getting your life back. When you come to church seeking to give, not to get, God will make sure you're taken care of. Trust me. I've been there. There are testimonies after testimonies in this church alone, and I've seen with my own eyes people that kept God's promise, even when he said, try me and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He goes on with a list of different things of people that are faithful in their tithing and their generosity and people that don't just stop at the bare minimum. I don't want my wife to love me at the bare minimum. Okay, this is what you got to do to prove that you love me, and she just does that. The relationship is above and beyond. 
I'm trying to go above what she expects of me. And that's how I feel about Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do? That's why he says, if a man asks you to go a mile, go too. If he says he's cold, give him your coat. Be generous. Be generous. To help us with this generous heart, God said, you got to have a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord God, your God, redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day this thing. What is God saying? We were all lost in our sin, and God, out of his generosity, came and saved us. And if we are grateful for what God has done for us, we could turn around and be grateful for other people, that we could be generous. God was generously, he lavishly loved on us. Let me explain this. When Christ died, he didn't just come down and die. They didn't behead him, would have been quick. They didn't hang him, would have been kind of quick. They didn't stab him, that would have been fast. He came down, was beat, had everything pulled from out of his face. He suffered. He was rejected, wrongly accused, suffered, and hung on the cross, a thief's death. Here's the cold part. Kosher food. In order to take kosher food, to eat kosher food, when you kill a lamb, you hang it upside down to drain all the blood out of it. Even the sacrifices had to be empty of all blood. Jesus, when he died, there was no blood left in him. Only one drop of his blood would set us free. You guys ain't, you guys ain't catching this. He's, he's God. This is the blood of God. He just, if he just would have poked his finger and dropped blood on the earth, we all would have been set free from our sin. But no, he chose to be the sacrifice, to be bled out, to have no blood left in him, to die. He lavished his love. That means he gave us more than what we needed upon his people. Why? Because he loves you and he's showing you his generosity. I denied myself to death so that you could have life and life more abundant. It's a matter of the heart. Our generosity is just a matter of the heart. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.